a big welcome from my side, if you, especially if you're joining with us for the first time. Just to catch you up, we are nearing the end of a series on margin. Um, if you have not been with us for the last few weeks, I would strongly recommend that you go and, and listen to some of the, 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 the online uh, podcasts. Um, this is just such a key series for us in terms of how we uh, believe we are meant to follow God. Sometimes we settle for... Uh, kind of surrendering to the Jesus theory, but not necessarily following the Jesus way. And so we actually do believe that there's a way to follow Jesus. um, And it's a way that actually leads to life. It's a way that leads to meaning. It's a way that leads to fruitfulness. It's a way that leads to uh, gentleness, self-control, kindness, peace, patience, all these things. And so it's not just agreeing with it, it's, it's actually uh, surrendering to a way of life. So we spoke quite a lot about that last week. Um, we have t- covered topics like slowing. Uh, I don't have time to unpack that fully. Simplicity, last week we spoke about surrender. Today I want to talk about solitude. And this is probably the most important topic uh, for me personally because I think it has the potential to affect our lives more than any other. But the reason that we've addressed some of the other topics first is because unless we actually create space, unless we live at a healthy rhythm, unless we kind of focus in on the things that matter most, we're probably going to keep fighting these, uh, you know, the gravitational pull towards distraction. And we do live in, an, in a distracted economy. Uh, we live in a time where we are bombarded with more information, more opportunities, uh, more invitations than ever before. And a lot of it is fantastic. I've got to tell you, ESCOM is reminding me, I don't want to live, you know, 100 years ago, 200 I'm grateful. When, this, this morning, when the power came back on and I could make coffee, I was like, thank you, Jesus. I'm a better Christian with coffee, okay? So I'm not suggesting that we go back to the dark ages, But at the same time, there have been times, even in the last few weeks, where load shedding has actually helped us spend more time together as a family, Uh, or maybe I've given up and gone to bed a little bit earlier. Uh, So so it's kind of like, you know, swings and roundabouts. There There are challenges as to some of the blessings and some of the challenges of living in the 21st century. Buckminster Fuller was a futurist and systems theorist, and in his book, Critical Path, estimated just how long it used to take and how long it takes now to actually double the world's uh, total knowledge. So he estimated that from the time of Jesus, so roughly 2,000 years ago, it took 1,500 years for all of the world's knowledge to double. From the year 1,500, it took about 250 years. So, So it sped up tremendously. To a, to, for the world's total uh, intellectual capital, the world's global knowledge to double. It used to take 1,500 years, now it took 250. Then, from uh, the year 1750 until the Second World War, it started changing every 100 years. And from the Second World War until the 1980s, the total global knowledge quotient as such would double every 25 years. Do you want to guess how long it takes now for the world's total knowledge to double? It used to take 1,500 years, right? It now takes 12 hours. So if you were born around the time of Jesus, it would have taken 1,500 years for everything known to double. 
If you were born yesterday, it's going to have quadrupled by dinner time tonight. And just in case you think that sounds way too far-fetched, because I don't know how these people assess this either, some (coughs) stats, and you can go and Google this, not yet, God's watching, but later on, you can double-check me. So... So two years ago, so, so I think it was around May of 2017, uh, YouTube reported to having 300 hours of video uploaded every 60 seconds. As of May last year, 500 hours of video is uploaded every 60 seconds. Which means that by the time you arrived, okay, some of you would have different times, but, but by the time you arrived for church this morning and the time you're leaving, so in the space of roughly an hour, 30,000 hours of video will have been uploaded to YouTube. We live in the information age. We, learn, we live in an attention economy where people are fighting Rightly so, to get our attention, and in many cases, I believe the wrong people are winning, and we land up giving in to things that are not actually going to grow us. Cultural critic and professor of media at New York University, Neil Postman, wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. By the way, he wrote this quite a few years ago. Widely considered the seminal work on the effect of TV on our culture, he coined the phrase low information to action ratio. Low information to action ratio. There is so much information that we've become comfortable with acting on very little to none of it. He said the following, the tie between information and action has been severed. We are glutted with information, drowning in information, and don't know what to do with it. The challenge that we face in the 21st century is that we have more information than any generation before us. We are overwhelmed by the amount of information available to us, and it actually lands up creating a type of paralysis in many of us. And what is scary is that we become used to the paralysis. So we become used to this default of where we are hearing new information, even being moved by new information, and doing absolutely nothing about it. So I find that very encouraging as someone that tries to teach every week to know that virtually no one's going to do anything with anything that I'm actually saying or trying to get across to you. You can even cry. You can be totally moved and forget all about it by Monday morning. And that's a challenge for me. I'm, because of technology, I'm able to listen to multiple books in a week compared to in the past. It would have taken me a month or two to try and read through a book. I can listen to multiple podcasts in a, in a single workout. You, there's so much information that I can take in. But the challenge for me is when am I slowing down to actually curate that information and to discern where I need to respond to any of it? And that's why I want to go back to what I said at the very beginning. The danger, I believe, for Christianity in the 21st century is that we can believe in the Jesus theory but feel no, <clears throat> no compulsion, excuse me, no compulsion to follow the Jesus way. And so Matthew 7, Jesus actually warns us against just knowing what to do and not knowing it. In fact, it tells a parable of a house that's built on sand. is like someone who knows what to do, but they don't do it, versus someone whose house is built on a rock when they know what to do and they actually do something with it. 
You might have heard the comment uh, made before that it's the space between, thanks Marfa, the space between the notes that makes the music. Music was made this morning because someone didn't just hold the keys down the whole time. It could be the most beautiful note in the world. You'll go crazy eventually. If all you hear is, like somewhere along the line, you're going to want that, you're going to want like a, like a gap, a space, right? It's the, it's the space between the notes that makes music. The problem is that I think we have so much information coming at us so often that we just live in this. And you feel like you have this, this, this mosquito that's just, how many of us live with, guys, anxiety levels are off the charts compared to even 20 years ago. It's the space between the noise that makes the music. Lance Witten, his book, Replenish, wrote that if you can start to create some spaces between the notes, you will discover that the noise of your life will actually turn into music. And I believe that that's where solitude comes in. Now, solitude can sound like a very old school word. It can sound like a very intimidating word. You might have pictures of monks or nuns or monasteries or retreats. And, And that is a form of Solitude, but solitude in its simplest form is simply taking time, and that could be five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but it's pulling aside and doing what you can to be focused and present with God. Or maybe a slightly elaborated definition from John Mark Comer is that it's the intentional time in the quiet to be alone with God and our own soul. It's the space we make for God to love us and to transform us into people of love. Now, the instinctive pushback, which I totally understand, might be, yeah, but God's with me all the time, isn't he? And I can be present with God all the time, can't I? Yes, you can. But I've got to tell you that someone, as someone who works with Sue, my wife, we've been married for 20 years. We work together. We literally share an office together. We co parent, we, we co-lead, we, 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 we will co-look after stuff at the house. If that's all we're ever doing, we're going to have a frightfully shallow, superficial relationship. And it's going to be very easy for offense to kick in and for us to feel like, why do I even need you actually? So, so that's actually a challenge for us because we are with each other, uh, in, in each other's proximity, we can Confuse proximity for intimacy. And I want to suggest and argue that God actually wants a much deeper relationship, connection, intimacy with us, where he can, where he can reassure us, where he can give us wisdom and perspective, and, and where we can just be okay with being with him. And I believe that that, in turn, will actually flow over into all those other times of our day. But if we're only ever engaging with God superficially on the run, in the car, in the shower, all of which is fine, but if that's all we're ever doing, so that's not incorrect, I'm saying it's incomplete. If that's all we're ever doing, it's like, well, why get married? Just so you know, there are other perks to getting married, okay? But if that's all we're ever going to do, and, and so that's why we've got to ask ourselves, is that the kind of relationship that I want to settle for 
when I, when I actually believe that there's so much more to be enjoyed and experienced and where God can flow out from us, but it's going to take us being willing. And for most of us, for many of us, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take, if that's not our natural habit, we're going to have to be willing to dig deep to actually carve out gaps of time, whether that's 15 minutes a day, whether it's first thing in the morning or last thing at night, to actually try and connect with God in, a, in, a, in an undistracted manner. John Ortberg says that when we go into solitude, we withdraw from conversation, from the presence of others, from noise, and from the constant barrage of stimulation. And just so you know, that's why it's so tough at first. So please don't be discouraged if you go home today and you're like, okay, I'm going to try the solitude thing. And I'm going to make sure that between now and bedtime, I'm going to find 15 minutes. And you find yourself actually feeling worse. It's okay. It's like detoxing. Especially if you don't have your phone near you. You're going to, you're going to find yourself looking for it. You're going, to, you're going to realize just how addicted we are to that constant dopamine hit. And, it, and it's going to be hard at first. So I'm saying don't be discouraged by that. Don't be put off by that. In fact, many of you know that there's a lot of uh, research out there to suggest that it takes at least 21 days to form a new habit. And a habit is, is a way that our brains are even wired, it's neural pathways, there's all kinds of science behind it. So don't give up because you gave it a go once and you're like, that didn't work. Let's actually be intentional, let's persevere. Just a couple of almost like philosophical uh, thoughts before I end off with a couple of practical suggestions. Number one is that solitude recognizes invitation. We're actually invited by God to, cut, to, to like draw aside and to be with Him. He's not going to shame you, guilt you, manipulate you. Like, you know, guys, He invites us. He wants to spend time with us and this is an invitation to actually draw aside. Psalm 27 verse 8 says, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Now, truth be told, many of us don't feel like that's true of us. We don't feel like our heart has heard him say. And I think that the reason for that is because we live with so much noise around us. That's that's. Similar to me, not, not, want, not, not feeling the, the draw, the attraction, the appetite for vegetables if I keep eating junk and sugar. The more I eat that stuff, the less I feel an, an, an appetite, an invitation towards carrots and peas and butternut and, and all these things, right? But, but if you starve that appetite, it's amazing how you actually start to appreciate nutrition. So again, I'm saying don't be discouraged if you don't sense the invitation, if you don't sense the ache that I believe actually exists in our heart to connect with God. I'm saying, I'm saying for some of us, if we even just cut out social media for a season, we may be amazed at how, at just how we actually start to recognize a yearning for something more. John Ortberg says solitude is the one place where we can gain freedom from the forces of society that will otherwise relentlessly mold us. Which is why, by the way, you need to be careful about using your phone for your quiet time. Now, for some of us, that works. That's okay if you're disciplined enough and you put it onto flight mode the night before and you don't take it off of flight mode until you've had your quiet time in the morning. But that's more self-discipline than many of us have. Again, if that's the habit, we're going to be like, 
I just want to check. I just got to make sure that I'm not letting someone down somewhere in this world. Even though it's 5 a.m. You know, but, 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 but guys, there's an addiction. There's neural pathways. We are so, we are so connected. So, so I'm saying if that's you and you, can't, and you just can't keep it on flight mode, well, then maybe, maybe either use another device or there's this, there's this old school thing called the printed Bible. It's got paper and everything. Like words are written on it. And, and anyway, you guys, you guys are getting the point. Secondly, solitude reveals desire. Again, we might not realize it, but there's actually a desire within us. Psalm 42 verse 1 says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. There's actually a thirsting. There's, there's a longing. There's an ache. And again, I realize that for many people, that might not, you might not feel like that's true for you yet. But I think if you'll give it some space and give it some time, you'll start recognizing, wait, there's actually an appetite in there that I didn't even know I had. And have you ever noticed that the more you feed an appetite, the more it grows? Some of us, some of us are sweet enough and naive enough to think that, that if I feed that appetite, it'll, it'll go away. I said, no chocoholic ever. Right? The more chocolate I eat, the more chocolate I want. Right? So what you feed grows, what you starve dies. So I'm saying, let's feed the appetite for, 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 for moments with God. And by the way, I love the statement from Richard Foster. He says that the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. The inner transformation of our lives is a goal worthy of our best effort. There's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. Guys, the world is looking for deep people. I believe that God wants to use his followers in their communities, at their place of work or school, their family, to make a difference. And he, I don't think that he can use us if we're only ever staying superficial and just skimming over the surface. It's when there's a depth that's coming to us and there's a generosity that flows over. We don't just fake it. It's actually coming. Like, like you actually start having generosity formed, patience formed, kindness formed. Third, solitude requires patience. I don't know that this is a word that, that is often frustrating for many of us, especially the pace of life that we live at. And again, it can, it can feel so counterintuitive, but I can't encourage enough to persevere with the process. As I said a few moments ago, you may, you may decide, okay, okay, I'm going to try the solitude thing. I'm going to just surrender and do what he says. And you might actually find it really tough at first and frustrating. And, and you could feel like, okay, I'm here. All I'm hearing is crickets. <laughs> and that can be discouraging. I get it. I'm, I want to ask you to persevere through that. Persevere through that inevitable. It's like anyone that's first going to start training to run a marathon. You're going to have to persevere you're going to have to be okay with not being a marathon runner tomorrow just because you went out for a light walk or jog today. Like, like it's going to take time. There's a process. It takes patience, guys. And, and I just think if I was the enemy, I would do everything I could to distract you and discourage you and say, yeah, I see, that's all a ball of chalk. You know what? God loves you anyway. You can love God. Like, you love God, right? Yeah, you love God. Because that whole thing, if he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. 
So, so if, he can't, if he can't put you off God, he'll at least distract you from, from being with him and from living with him in a, in a meaningful way that makes a significant difference. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You will. In fact, two verses before that, it says, God won't be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Just sow. Just, just, just keep. In other words, don't judge. Please, 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 don't judge your time with God. Don't, like, don't even, evade, just, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be patient and I'm going to position myself with you. Commit to a time. Okay, I've got, I'm going to commit to 10 minutes every day or 15 minutes every day. And posi- I'll give you a few tips as to how to do that. But, but just position yourself with him and actually see showing up as success. Does that make sense? Just actually see showing up as success because you'll be amazed at how over time showing up actually starts shifting to being present and being present starts shifting to where I think God's encouraged. Is that God? Is God encouraging me? Is that a sense? Is that? And, and, as, you, and as you're spending a few minutes reflecting on Scripture, like you feel like you're starting to, to have things revealed to you. And, but, it's, but it starts with patience and perseverance. John Oldbrook says, we've largely traded wisdom for information, depth for breadth, and we want to microwave maturity. So I get it. We want it now. But it doesn't work that way. I would encourage you to, to be patient with the process. And it's almost like letting the water settle. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever managed to maybe camp alongside a lake, for example, and and or, or if you ever get to drive past the Flayan Table View, um, or, or just even the ocean, and where and where there are those those mornings. Normally it's the morning, afternoons when we hectic, but there's those mornings where it's like it's just glassy, right? Anyone love glassy water? Like there's very little that that refreshes me more than glassy water. I'm like it's amazing. I can sit and stare at glassy water for a long time. I don't know why, but it's, but there's something so peaceful for me about it. But have you ever noticed how even the slightest breeze? can just start to cause a ripple. And, and it feels as though it takes almost nothing to get that ripple going, but then it feels like it might take all night to get the ripple to stop. Like it seems to take a lot longer to calm down than what it does to get ruffled, right? And so similarly, I'm saying that when we position ourselves to be with God, even if, it's, again, it could be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, sometimes, sometimes it takes that whole time. And even then, we, are still, we still haven't su- succeeded in inverted commas. Sometimes we, we can spend that whole time and we still don't feel like, like the waters of our soul have actually settled. And our brains are just frenetic and we're thinking and going. And, and that's why I want to say don't judge that. It's okay. You are developing a new muscle. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Let the water settle. And, and if you feel like you, it was a complete fail today, tell yourself, it's okay. God, I'll be back. Same place, same time tomorrow. And you feel like it's a complete failure the next day, God, I'll see you back, same place, same time. I know God's going with you and, and he's with you the rest of the day and you're with him. The rest of, but, but if you'll keep, guys, if you don't do anything else that we ever teach you at the church, but if you'll get this right, you will bear fruit, you'll multiply, you will live a life of meaning. And so, and so I want to be careful how I say this, but, but there's this risk that we, can, that we can want to be topped up once a week or once every two weeks or once every three weeks or once every six weeks on a Sunday. 
and then be surprised that our lives don't seem to be bearing the fruit of what we thought like this could be about. And I'm saying this compliments, this compliments, this is a small compliment to, to your time with God. Does it make sense? Okay. Fourth and final kind of key thought there is that solitude involves consistency. Consistency is key. I mean, very similar to what I've been describing to you, but Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on a day and night. Like, it gives you this idea of consistency. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. So even when it shouldn't be a season of fruit, like, no, no, you're going to still be able to bear fruit if there's consistency. Consistency is key. Whether you think it was a meaningful time, a terrible time, just keep being consistent, which is why most people, as far as I can tell, that will write about spiritual formation, uh, etc., will, will highlight the priority of consistency. Even if, you, even, if you, even if you've got to change your, your plan, your approach, your reading, your prayer, if you can just get consistent, I think you've probably already achieved 70% of the battle. So don't give up persevere. Practically speaking, just a few thoughts here. Practically speaking, I want to to encourage you with the acrostic of the word pray. P-R-A-Y. If you were here for the five days of focus, you would have heard me make reference to this as well. So this is kind of some, some suggestions as to how to spend time if you are cutting, if you are carving out 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever the case is. P stands for pause. Like actually be still. If you cannot be still, or, or your mind cannot be still, by the way, even if you physically cannot be still, like, again, n- there's no legalism around this. If you need to go and walk somewhere slowly in order to actually pause and be still with God, like that's okay. Just don't go and do it in the shopping center. Don't go to Canal Walk for, for, my, for my pause time. You know? but, but you might find that, that, that if you're able to go for a walk where, where it's peaceful, Maybe, maybe that helps you to actually, maybe that helps you to, so, so, so some of us actually need some form of movement in order to actually help our mind settle. And that's, and that's okay. But again, that's not an excuse for us to only ever spend time with God while we're exercising. This, this isn't about exercising. This is different. There's a difference between a prayer walk and, a, and where you're running your butt off and you, yeah, I'm spending time with God. I'm just trying to breathe when I'm running. No, no, Pause. The idea with pause, ideally, ideally, is to, is to actually just be quiet for a few moments or maybe even try and stretch it to a minute or two minutes where you just allow the water to settle, where, you, where you're trying to allow the water of your mind and then ultimately I think it seeps into your soul to, to just cut off all of the stimulants. So, so preferably try not to have your phone or any digital device near you. But, but for some people, again, you might need to experiment with just having a worship song going. I don't know. But the idea is to be still with God. That's the win. The win is to be still with God. Then you can move. Now, you don't have to do it this way. I'm just recommending it. R is to rejoice and reflect. Rejoice and reflect. P is to pause. And and I would argue is to be present. So it's to actually position yourself that you're present with God, whatever that looks like for you. R is to rejoice and reflect. And the reason that we use both of those words is that to rejoice 
is to give God thanks. It's to express gratitude. There's very little that's going to draw you closer to God and remind you of how good God is than to actually look back at his track record of the last 24 hours or the last day and just say, God, yes, man, I can see how you helped me in that meeting. God, I, God you, you saved me in that close shave in the traffic. Or God, you, I, I really feel like you gave me some, some, some wisdom or, or, you, or that pause in that conflict situation. Thank you. Thank you for your presence in my life. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your provision. Like, it's just amazing how, how God doesn't get bigger. We just see more of him when we are looking accurately at how great he is, how good he is. And to reflect is, I'm using the word reflect more than the word read. So this involves scripture because instead of just trying to read through a whole bunch to get more information, I want you to rather reflect on a smaller portion where you can digest it. There's, there's nothing wrong with also trying to get through the Bible in a year, but I would almost separate that from this. So that's if you've got extra time. But I think that in our time with God, to actually, to actually slow down, let the water settle, be present, thank Him, and then, and then just reflect for a couple of minutes on a, on a short passage of Scripture. We can move on to A's for ask, where you're allowed to ask God for stuff. You're allowed to surrender things to Him. God, can you help me here? God, please, would you give me wisdom? God, please, would you bless this person? God, please, would you protect that person? Like God's got no problem with you asking him for stuff. I do think that the relationship could be unhealthy if that's all we ever do. If we, if we only ever see him as a genie in the bottle and we get our few wishes and we rub, you know, whatever it is and, okay, God, like we need you to sprinkle some pixie dust on, on some stuff. I think, I think if that's all we're ever doing, also, if we're also only ever doing all the talking, I think eventually that's rude. If you're in a relationship with someone and they do all the talking, maybe you have that acquaintance at work, maybe you, maybe, you, know, you have someone in your family where they just do like all, I mean, maybe not like 100%, but 95% of the talking. If you can't think of that person, there's a chance you could be that person. But after a while, you start feeling like, wow, like, do they have any interest in me at all? Like, do they want to know anything about how things are going? Or was that just polite when they say, hey, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And they just vomit, you know, all over you with, with what's going on in their lives. I'm being honest with you. For, out of the best of intentions, most of my relationship with God for many years was like that. I, I felt like, and, and, and I felt legit. I felt like I had to do the work of prayer. I better, I better tick all the right boxes. I better pray for all the right stuff. And if you listen to what everyone tells you to do, you're praying about stuff all over the world. And for, like just, I mean, you could pray for, for days, and that's just day one. If you do everything that everyone tells you to do, right, and to pray for, as opposed to actually, wait, 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 God, I'm going to slow down. God, is there anything that you want to share? Like, what do you care about right now? Do we even believe that God might give us an impression about something at work, at school, at home, in the community, that God's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really caring about this right now. I want to bring this to your, like, thanks for asking. I want to bring this to your attention. Now, just so you know, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I believe some people have and can. I've got no problem with the fact that God can speak audibly, but I'm telling you, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but, I've, but I have often felt impressions, a sense, a, a recurring thought, a, a prompting, so let's also be quiet, but we're allowed to also ask God. And then lastly, why is for yield? 
Yield is to surrender. It's not just to confess, it's to it's to repent means to actually turn. It's to, it's to obey. That's why I love even the model that Jesus gave us in Matthew 6, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, where, where he starts off with, again, he's like praising God, and then he's, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm just telling you, you're going to have a healthy relationship with God if you are appropriately concerned with God. I mean, I've got all these questions. I've got all these requests. I'd love for all of this to happen, but your will be done. Isn't that what Jesus did with the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he's about to be arrested, brutally tortured and and killed? He said, Father, if there's any other way, remove this cup of wrath that I'm about to experience from me, but not my will be done, your will be done. Do you think that if we do this consistently that we would start our day differently? Or if you're not a morning person and even God doesn't want to spend time with you in the morning, maybe you're an evening person. You know, if you ended your by the way, in Hebrew culture, the day starts the night before. So I've got no problem with that whatsoever. If that's how you start your day and that's the last thing you're doing before you go to sleep at night, I actually think that you'll start your day off way better. So I'm not married to whether it's morning or evening. For some people, they actually even shorten and do it twice a day, morning and evening, or morning. They find a little gap at lunchtime, maybe go sit in the car, go sit under a tree, or go sit in the toilet if you have to. Like go lock yourself in a cubicle. You should be able to get away with 10 minutes. Just saying. Guys, is it, worth, is it worth putting some effort in? I think so. Won't you stand, please? Let me pray with you. In case you weren't here last week, I want to remind you that our, our goal, us, us following Jesus, including anyone that wants to begin a relationship with God, it's not, it's not about praying a magical prayer. It's about having an, a hard attitude that says, God, I want to have a relationship with you, and I'm going to start by doing the next right thing that I know to do. So I want to encourage you before I pray for everyone that if that's you today, if, you, if you're wanting to begin a relationship with God, you can, you can honestly just speak to him personally in your own words where you are and make a commitment. God, I want to, I want to, God please, I want to respond to your love. I'm desperate to receive your forgiveness. Thank you that you've made it available. And yes, very importantly, I want to follow you. I don't know what that means exactly. I don't know what that might look like, but I'm going to start with doing the next right thing that I know to do. And if that's you today, I can't encourage enough to swing past the connect area, grab a little Bible. It's a New Testament that we have on the shelf there. It's free. There's a single piece of paper in there that gives you some tips on how to start praying, how to start reading. It's not, it's not legalistic. It's not magical. It's just tips. It's just suggestions. But it's a commitment to do the next right thing that we know to do. And so similarly, I want to, I want to charge you this morning as you walk out of here. Immediately as you walk out of here, we're going we're to have the options to get something to eat and drink. That's great. We, we want to encourage you to stick around and, and take a photo at the photo booth outside that back left door. Wonderful. Maybe you're going to go and have lunch Terrific. But can I ask you to walk out of here with, with some level of commitment to narrow that gap between information and action? God, I'm not just going to agree with the idea of solitude. I'm not just going to be moved by the idea of actually being present with you. God, help me to start experimenting with a time and a place and a plan. Even if it's just, even if you have no idea where to start, so you just start at the beginning of the New Testament and, and, if, and you're going to get 15 minutes a day. 
I'm going to pause. I'm going to rejoice and then reflect on, on a small portion of Matthew. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask. I'm going to pray something in, in response to what I'm reading. And God, I'm going to surrender to anything that I feel like you're pointing out to me. I'm going to yield to you. God, please, in Jesus' name, would you help us not just to be hearers of the word. Please help us to be doers of the word. Please, would you help us to do the next right thing that we know to do. Father, I pray against any attempt of the enemy to distract and discourage us from what I think is the most life-giving discipline, practice, habit that we can commit to. That of spending time with you day after day after day. And Lord, when we feel like we're failing, please give us grace and patience to persevere. God, when, we've, when, we, when, when stuff is going on and we don't get to spend the time with you that we want to that day, help us to be okay with coming back the next day or two days later or a week later. God, whatever the case is, help us not to give up trying to form that habit, fighting to form consistency. God, help us to pursue progress, not perfection. Help us to be patient as we form practices. Again, we're not, we're not prioritizing perfection. We want to get the right practices into place so that we can be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus would do if he were us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen.